morning, Brother Allen's preaching really got me excited about what's coming up uh, here shortly uh, when we have an opportunity to sit down and talk about what God has done here uh, in, um, in South Lowndes County at Victory Baptist Church through the ministry of Brother Carlton. And uh, I'm, I can't wait. I think I know the story. I've read it a few times, but I love to hear it. It's fun. It's a great story. And uh, when you see what God has done, how he put all this together and how it all came to pass, a miracle within itself. Only God can birth a church. When people start churches, they sure make a mess, don't they? When God starts one, a church has to be born. Sure it does. And you don't just go out and start a church, you know, uh, sometimes. And, and, uh, and so it's a fascinating story of what God has done, missions all through the years and all those kind of things. We're excited about what's coming up here during the summer. And we'll continue with our rotating our preachers on Sunday night. I'm rotating tonight uh, in place. And uh, then Brother Greg will be preaching, I believe, next Sunday night. Then J.D. will be preaching, I think, July the 2nd on a Sunday night. And so we have several weeks scheduled now. Different men in the church, different preachers in the church, I should say, that will be bringing our messages. And then whenever Brother Carlton's ready, we'll just interrupt all that and go into our other um, venue that we're going to take care of. All right, we're here in the book of Luke in chapter number 6. I want to read beginning in verse number 13. And, um, and then we'll also look uh, in the book of Matthew, first in the book of Luke. Verse number 17, And he came down with them and stood in the plain and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they were, that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. In verse number 19, And the whole multitude, look at this phrase, sought to touch him. For their virtue went out of him and healed them. And then in uh, chapter number 9 of uh, the book of Matthew, we have yet another story. And uh, we'll read about the same number of verses over here. Matthew chapter number 9, we'll just use this as a springboard. And uh, verse number 18, While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him, and look at this phrase, and touched the hem of his garment. Our thoughts very simple tonight for a few moments, and it's along the line of God's divine touch. There's several different titles that I've come at from um, over the years from these two passages of Scripture. I'm not going to take time to go through those tonight. But just to think about, if you would be mindful over the next few moments, about the touch of God, the touch of God, or touching God. I think it is a two-way street, and you'll see that as we look at the examples that are given to us in the Scripture and the stories that we find on this matter of the touch, the touch. You know me, if you've been around here any period of time, when I get on a word, I run it as far as I can, and then stretch it a little bit further. 
and get and squeeze every ounce of juice that I can out of every word. Because I believe all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable. And it's profitable. And so we, sh we need not leave any verse of uncovered. We should make sure that we examine thoroughly when we're studying every thought and every verse in the scripture and every subject. I know there's a lot of people that aren't really engaged in this matter of topical preaching or, or preaching in types. And um, many people believe the only kind of preaching is expository preaching. And I don't have time to argue with them. Uh, they'll find out that I was right when we all get to heaven. be too late to do them any good. But they'll find out I was right. And I believe that there's a variety of study and there's a variety of preaching. And I love it all. I love it all. I love expository preaching. Uh, I love it in every form. And, uh, and I always get something out of it when somebody is preaching. And so our thought tonight is this matter of the touch. Anytime something is mentioned over 150 times in the Bible, I think we need to pay attention. And I think that we need to take the time to search out the Scripture and see what, he's, what, he's, the, what, what idea the Lord is trying to get across to each and every one of us. There's something about the touch. And it's mentioned 150 times in the Word of God, and there's about six different meanings that I found. I'm sure there's more than that. But there's at least six that I've come across. And uh, you, you understand with me as, as uh, you're, you're intelligent people. I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. But, but words have various meanings. And especially in the scripture and the Hebrew and the Greek uh, that we have our originals from. And of course our English language. And, and uh, there's um, the English alphabet is larger. The English um, uh, words, there's more words in the English language than there were in the Hebrew. And in uh, the Greek, uh, many more words, multiple times over. And so there's a lot of words in the English language that we use that's used in the, in the Scripture, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And uh, they have multiple meanings and usually... Uh, you can go to uh, the uh, concordance and look up the dictionary, go to the lexicon, whatever you want to do, and find the meaning of the word. But usually if you'll just look at the passage of Scripture, if you'll just compare Scripture with Scripture, like God instructs us to do, you'll, God through the Holy Ghost will give you the meaning of the verse and the meaning of the words within the verse. Now, is that um, extremely necessary? I think it has a place. And so the best thing to do is just take God at God's word at face value. Don't read anything between the lines. You know why? There's not anything in between the lines. Just let God's word say what it says. And, uh, and don't be over concerned about interpretation and translation and, and deep meaning and, and uh, all of those kind of things. God says what he says and God means what he means. And we're not here to correct him. We're not here to try to give a deeper meaning to what he's already said. Now with that said, I want to think about God's divine touch. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I don't know if there's ever been a time in your life that, that you experience the touch of God. Now we know that it's true because it's in the scripture. I'm not going to talk about a lot of experience tonight 
But we'll talk about some people in God's Word that had an experience with God when He touched them. When God touched them, God touched them. And so I think that it's important from that um, example. Now, we have several in the, uh, examples in the Scripture. Uh, the first one, I'll just give you these and we'll hasten along. And at Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 3, we have the word touch. The Bible said, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, in this frame, uh, the word touch means to slay or to slaughter or to kill. It means to die. And so God said there are certain things, if you touch them, uh, you're going to die. And then there's another example. And so in the first place, these are not the ones I want to use tonight, but these are some of the others that we find uh, in the Word of God. In the First Chronicles, chapter number 16 and verse number 22, you don't have to turn there. They'll be available to you on the screen. These words, he said, Say, touch, not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. In this verse, it means to assault. And so you're, you're, as far as the man of God is concerned, you're not to assault the man of God. He said, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. Had a man, man many years ago and uh, turned out to be a good man in the church. But I remember the night that I met with him. We were in uh, my old office was the first a Sunday school room here going into the Sunday school building, the first one on the left. And we went in there that night. They came. They were interested in the church. And we sat down to talk for a little while. And uh, we talked on for just a little bit. And uh, he was a big fellow, big fellow, big as Brother Robson or, you know, I mean, he's a big old guy, maybe a little bigger than Brother Robson. And, uh, and he looked over at me with the most serious look on his face. And he said these words, and I'll never forget them. And you probably won't either. He said, I want you to know. I've had my hands around more than one Baptist preacher's neck. Now, how you like that? Hmm? Anybody want to stand in line, get ready to pastor? And, you know, not a lot of people surrendered. You know, they talk about, oh, you know, it's just a piece of cake, on and on and on and on. I've had mine. God said, touch not mine anointed. And it's not just a physical touch. You, not because I am one, but you best be, you best be careful when it comes to God's man, when it comes to God's man, any of them, any of them, when it comes to God's man. There's just something there, God's put something there. And I did tell him, by the way, years, a few years later, the situation was just right. And I said, I just want you to know, if you ever put your hands around my neck, I'll break your arm in so many places that all the king's horses and all the king's men won't be able to put it back together again. And, uh, and so, touch not mine anointed and do my prophet. It means to assault. Don't assault. Here's another one. I like this one. Let, let me hurry. I like this one a whole lot. In Luke chapter number 18 and verse number 15. And they brought unto him also infants. Little children. Little babies. And notice what he did. That he would touch them. Mm, I like that. In, in this it doesn't mean to slay or to assault. Here's the same word, T-O-U-C-H in the English language. But here it means to hug. It means to give a hug. Some of you look like sometime you could use a hug. It means to hug. It means to hold. And I'm so glad that we have a Heavenly Father. And uh, I'm so glad that our precious Lord, that underneath are the everlasting arms. 
I'm glad that when we fall or when we fail or when we stumble, when we trip up, I'm glad that He's always there to hold us up. Means to attach. Means to attach. Here's another one. In Genesis 32, 25, He touched the hollow of His thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. You remember the story, how that Jacob that night wrestled all night long with God. And, and that's exactly what it means to touch in this, in this is to, to, to wrestle, uh, to, to have a conflict and to, to wrestle. And so Jacob wrestled with God that night. And can I say this about it? Uh, I, you can be sure of this, that if you choose to wrestle with God, you're going to lose. I like what S.M. Lockridge, the old-time preacher, said about it. He said that God is a man of war and you can't whoop him. How do you spell whoop? W-H-U-P or W? I don't know. He said you can't whoop him. You can't whoop him. And Jacob found it out that night. You might battle with God. You might not. You might resist God. You might, you might push him away. But I'm going to tell you, you're the loser for it. You don't beat God. You don't win against God in a wrestling match. And Jacob found it out that night. And for the rest of his life, Jacob walked around with a limp because of the, his joint being out of thigh. And he, went, he had that first lifetime. I can just imagine later on in life, one day he's there with his little grandson or his little great-grandson, and they're out in the yard playing. And the little boy looks up at his papa, and he said, Papa, he said, why do you walk like that? And Jacob told him the story. He said, well, there's one time when I was a young man, I wasn't as wise as I am now, and I thought that I could wrestle against God. And he said, I did, and I lost. By the way, sir, by the way, ma'am, you'll lose as well. Don't wrestle with God. It also means to cleanse in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 7. And he laid it upon my mouth, that is the hot coal, and he said, Lo, this hath touched my lips and thine iniquity, thy lips, and, mine, uh, and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin is purged. The Bible said in Psalm 144 in verse number 5 that he touched the mountains and they begin to smoke. When God touches something, he cleanses it. Here's another one. It means to test. Job chapter number 19 and verse number 21. We know about Job. How pity upon me. How pity upon me. Oh, ye my friends, the hand of God hath touched me. It means to test, to trial. And then finally, it means to anoint. Simply defined as prepare. In 1 Samuel chapter number 10 and verse number 26, we have these words. And there went with him a, ba a band of men whose hearts God had touched to be anointed or to be prepared for ministry. And so we have all these examples in the scripture on this subject of touch. We have a lot of good songs. I think about some of them. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And all oh, the joy that floods my soul, something happened. And now I know he touched me and made me whole. What about this old song? Touching Jesus is all that really matters. Oh, I feel the touch of the master's strong hand. And so through our scripture and through our singing and through our experiences in life, we have this matter of touching God are being touched by God. 
Now, here's some conclusions that I came to in my study some time back. He touches at certain times. He touches in certain ways. And he touches for certain reasons. He touches for certain reasons. Now, you're going to have to, in your own experience, you're going to have to learn to define at what time God is touching you and in what way God is touching you and for what reason God is touching you. I'm convinced that a lot of the things that we experience in life, I'm pointing one finger at you and three at me, almost four, and, uh, and so I'm saying this not to you only, but also to myself, that some of the things, some of the trials, some of the problems, some of the issues, some of the difficulties, some of the sicknesses, some of the bad times, some of the hard times, some of the sorrowful times are not anything but God trying to get our attention. I want to say it again. He touches at certain times. And you know, it's not always convenient when God chooses to reach down and touch. It's not always convenient in your life season for God to reach down and touch you and say, I want you to teach a Sunday school class. Uh, when you've already got 47 things going on, and that doesn't even count the list your wife has for you. It's not always co a convenient season when God reaches down and touches you and says, I want you to do, fill in the blank. But he touches for certain reasons. He touches at certain times. He touches in certain ways. We find it to be true in the scripture and also in life. Also, his touch is not always pleasant. But we can be sure of this, and this is not in your notes, but in mine. And you can just listen for a moment. And, uh, but his touch can be very comforting. I found that to be true. His touch can be very reassuring. I found that to be true. I found that his touch can be very calming. I found that his touch can bring relief. I found that his touch can be cleansing. I found that his touch can be healing. And the list goes on and on and on and on. We need to, we need to understand in our life that somebody has touched me. Somebody has touched me. I don't know about your life or the changes in your life, but I can look back on the years before God saved me when I was 22 years old and those 51 years that have hastened by and I can see where I can't explain it necessarily, but somewhere along the way, God came to me and he touched me. And I can, I'm mindful of the times that I was in deep despair. And uh, like David in the cave there of Adullah. And, and, uh, and there he is and, and the men come to him and some of them are in despair and some of them are discontent and others are dissatisfied. And all of those were examples of what David himself were go was going through at that present time. But God came. Have you ever been in a deep, dark valley? And your friends would come and they would offer comfort and, and they would offer reassurance and, and they would try to calm you and give you some relief and, and help you and nobody could help you but God. I've been there. I've been there multiple times. 
And so let me give you these verses and we'll close. There's two things on my heart tonight. Number one is a desire to touch Him. Sure. A desire. It, it says so much. And, and uh, with, without developing it very far, but it makes sense that if we're close enough to reach out and touch Him, we're pretty close to Him. But if we're so far away that we couldn't reach him with a 10-foot pole, there's something a little bit wrong with that picture. So I want to encourage you, first of all, to have a desire to touch him. They did in our story, did they not? There when we read in Luke chapter number 6 and Luke chapter number 9, it was all about getting to Jesus and touching him. Here's some other verses in Matthew 9, 21. For she said within herself, If I may touch his garment, I shall be whole. In Mark 3, 10, the Bible said, For he had, for he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him as many as had plagues. In Mark 8, 22, And they bring the blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. Luke 6, 19, that we've already looked at. And the whole multitude sought that they might touch him. That they might touch him. The second thing that I want to make note of tonight is a desperate need to be touched by him. And so as I mentioned at the very beginning, two-way street. There needs to be a desire within me to touch him. And there should... I should understand, uh, in the Sunday school hour this morning, I was, I was teaching about what the house of God meant to, to the psalmist and how he, he looked at all the trouble in the world. He looked at all of the discontent. And he looked at all of the wars and he looked at all the culture issues and he looked at everything the world had to offer and he said, I'll just go to the house of God. I'll just go to God's house. You know, you can get so desperate. You can get so desperate in your life. I may be speaking to one, I may be speaking to no one tonight, but at some point in time, you'll think back and say, wow, I needed that, didn't need it then, but I need it now. A desire, a desperate need to be touched by Him. It's one thing to reach out and touch Him, but it's something else for Him to reach out and touch me. It's a whole different scenario, a whole different story. It's the other side of the coin. In Luke 18, 15, And they brought unto him also infants, that he would touch them. In Matthew 8, 3, And behold, there came a leper, and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Verse, verse number 4 of the same chapter. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. A desperate need to be touched. In both of these situations, there wasn't any hope outside of Jesus. The lepers had no hope at all. Brother Montgomery uh, preached and taught on them in Sunday school last week. Those ten lepers that came to Jesus and they were healed and only nine of them returned uh, thanks to him. And, uh, but the reality of it is uh, in that day as it in this day there's no leprosy has no healing outside of Jesus. And if Jesus doesn't touch them they're never healed. They're never healed. 
even to this day with all the modern science and all the modern technology. Still no cure for leprosy. Still no cure. And so there's a desperate need to be touched by him. Here's another example of that desperate need to be touched by him. And he touched your hand, Matthew 8, 15 now. And he touched your hand and the fever left her and she arose and ministered unto them. Peter's mother-in-law. I wonder how he became the first pope. That's what they say. He was the first pope. And yet he had a mother-in-law, so that implies to me that he was married. <laughs> oh, I don't, I, I don't know overthink things. I will just leave things as they are. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. What a touch. Here's another one, Matthew 9, 29. He touched their and touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Here's another one, Matthew. And they're all over. I've got a whole bunch of them. Every one I could find, I wrote it down. I wished I could memorize all these. Matthew 17, 7. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. I close with this tonight. Hebrews 4 and verse number 15. It's not on your screen. And this is encouraging. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with a feeling of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. I'm glad that, that for whatever I might go through, life is good. Life is good right now for, for me. Things are, are good and I, I you know, I just kind of clicking along, the Lord's so good. Thank Him for His goodness and kindness and provision and all those kind of things. But I'm glad that when I have a little hiccup along the way, when a little trouble comes along the way, maybe a little sickness along the way, a little heartache along the way, a little trial to face along the way. Our great high priest is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. God's divine touch. A desire to touch him. And how desperately, I'm telling you, it'll change your Christian life once he touches you. Jacob was never the same. The lepers were never the same. The woman, the blood issue was never the same. And the list goes on and on and on. Everybody Jesus touches, they're never left the same. Would you stand with us for prayer tonight?